Let's do this, Blaine and Mickey. On a Thursday, the hitman is out today. Alex Apple will be hanging out with me today. So I know you're going to enjoy the next couple hours. Doug Matthews is going to join us to talk Vols in hour number two. But here's how we're starting the show today. Jarrell Casey, the great Tennessee Titan, retiring officially as a Titan. We will go now to his news conference live as number 99 comes immortalized today, retiring as a Tennessee Titan. How a guy really looks. And sure enough, I go down to the offense in the O-line, and there goes Tyron. He looks like some kind of Greek god running down through there. And I go watch Jarrell, and it's, it's kind of that little short, squatty guy that makes all the plays. And uh, it, it, it was cool to see him uh, to come here. He certainly got off to a fast start uh, here with the Titans. Um, I will never forget the – it was the second or third day um, uh, on the job uh, here for me, and I was getting gas at the gas station right around the corner from St. Thomas. And, and there was a, I think it was an Escalade. He had an Escalade and I, he was pumping gas. And I was like, that's Casey pumping gas. And I, uh, I didn't say anything. I didn't go over to him. I kind of filled up my truck. I was going to go, we're going to win a lot of football games together, man. I, I appreciate what you stand for. And as I got to work with him, his passion for the game, um, his dedication to his teammates, uh, his leadership skill, uh, and certainly his dominance on the field. Uh, you could see it week in and week out. Morgan and KB are here, and, and we talk about players that you've got to stop week in and week out for the opposing team. And you can rest assured that 99 was one of those guys for the opposing team. His picture was up there as a guy we've got to stop. Um, for as much as he did on the field, uh, for the football team, he did even more in the community. Uh, just an outstanding uh, role model, um, a giver, a giver of his time, a giver of his of his money, a giver giver of his efforts uh, to the people of Nashville. And we are blessed to have him here, and blessed to immortalize, I guess you could say, my Keith as a Titan for life. So, congratulations, Jarrell, on an outstanding career. John said it in talking about what Jarrell did off the field. If he was a five-time pro bowler on the field, he was a pro bowler every year in terms of how he led the community and set the tempo on the field, but set the tempo in our locker room for guys to see what it was like to be involved in the community and to make a difference. Our two-time Walter Payton Man of the Year and a guy that stepped in in different places when he was needed so many different times. And by the end of his career, he was totally setting the tone for what we did off the field. I'd like to ask Betty Kirkland if she would come forward now to say a few words. Betty is the CEO of Project Return, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about Jarrell's impact uh, for their particular endeavor. Please welcome Betty Kirkland. I'm going to talk about a different side of Jarrell, although I really love that stat about only five games in nine years. That's, that's incredible. A substantial portion of our community is or has been under correctional control, and on the way to and from that, they've experienced the violence of poverty and the pain of victimhood. Jarrell Casey understands that. At Project Return, we work every day to help people start over after prison. Connecting Jarrell to those individuals and bringing his voice to that part of our community has been such a gift. His authentic interactions with people who have been disregarded 
and even discarded, are a gift to them as well as to the community at large. His spirit of hope and positivity is a substantive boost to their future and to the well-being of our city. We love having the support of Jarrell and Ryan Casey, the Casey Fund, which has been meaningful for Project Return on three levels. First, their generous gifts have gone straight to the signature services that we provide to the people who are doing everything they can to live good lives and leave prison behind. It is life-changing, and we thank you, Jarrell, and thank you, Ryan. Second, their passionate belief in our cause and their clear voice of support has strengthened our impact in the community. Not everyone comes our way and sits with our people. Third, at a personal level, I am, we are grateful for their friendship. As tough and hard driving as he is on the field, his compassion and empathy is just as strong, just as notable, I can tell you that. With humility, he walks and carries himself with the knowledge that there but for the grace of God go me or him or you. The other thing to know about Jarrell Casey is that this is a twofer. It is Jarrell and Ryan together all the way. It's a team, equal partners with a shared devotion. And yes, they are compassionate, but beyond that, what also drives them is the fierce desire for true justice for people. Thank you, Jarrell and Ryan for bringing that to ground at Project Return. Ryan and Jarrell, we are grateful, we are proud, we are happy to see Nolan and Peyton, and we are excited for all of you. And we're glad to be part of your city and your team. Thank you. Before I bring Jarrell up to, to make some comments, I want to throw out an angle that you might not know that those who played with him and those who had the great opportunity to work with him on a daily basis certainly understand. The term Jarrell, would you, was used a lot over nine years. And that is, Jarrell, would you sign a football for an auction or for a young person who's sick? Jarrell, would you say hello to a group of sponsors or to a high school football team who's come by practice? Jarrell, would you drop a line for the Jumbotron. Jarrell, would you have time for a quick interview? The fact that we would say almost on a daily basis, Jarrell, would you? And every single time he said yes. Every single time as a work colleague, he was there for us. Certainly he was there on Sundays. Certainly we saw him in the community, but I'm telling you behind the scenes, Jarrell Casey, was a Titans great. In every way, was a Titans great. So please join me in welcoming somebody so special to all of us on what is a great day for the Tennessee Titans, my friend, Jarrell Casey. Appreciate it. Appreciate y'all being here today. Um, definitely a pleasure and an honor to be in front of this podium one more time in front of the Titan Nation. Um, just want to say thank you to the organization. First and foremost, uh, just also want to say thank you to the Lord. Um, without his blessing, without, without his, his uh, hard work of shaping me, creating me, um, I wouldn't be here. And the things that he installed in me, uh, get that from my mother. She, she taught me to go out there and give everything I can. Her, her favorite uh, saying and my uncle's favorite saying was always go out there and put that in the dirt. Um, if you don't know what that blank is, uh, it's a little provocative. But uh, 
Um, that was a thing, and I always drove that with me as I was going through my career. That was always something I always lived on was go out there and bust, bust your tail, go get after it. And uh, I try to make sure I display that as much as I can. And, and to this last day when I made this last decision in my career, um, it was a hard decision to come and want to retire. But um, after sitting down talking with my family and going through the last three years of injuries and dealing with different things mentally and things like that, it's was the best decision for me and my family to pull away from the game and take our focus somewhere else. Um, me and my wife always talked about not letting the game become you. You be you making the game become your your world. And uh, I found myself kind of getting wrapped up in the game a little too much, um, not really focused on what's outside to come. And uh, now going forward, I think you know that's the best move for me and my family. Uh, trying to focus on life outside of football. I've done everything I possibly could inside this game. Look to be a Hall of Famer. Look to go bust my tail every week. Look to go get a Super Bowl ring. Um, it didn't happen. Um, Lord's, you know, if Lord's willing to be a Hall of Famer, that definitely be a blessing to come. But you know, for me, the game of football, pursuing to go get a Super Bowl, has come to an end. And uh, you know, the body itself told me what what, what it's going to be, and I couldn't go out there and keep damaging myself and not be there for my family for the long haul. So uh, I made a decision to go ahead and call it a quits. I called John up um, a couple weeks ago. Um, I want to say about three weeks ago when I sat down and I talked to him, uh, you know, hashed out the, the differences that we had or uh, whatever. It wasn't really much differences, more so my feelings and how I felt about the whole situation. But they kept open arms. You know, they, 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 they said, you know, Cage, don't worry about none of that. You're a Titan for life, for your family, and, you know, we love you over here. And I definitely thank you all for that. It's definitely a blessing. Because um, me and my wife, we said and talk about that a lot. Like, damn, what, what the hell did I do? What, what's, what the heck going on? But, you know, um, it's a blessing. And Lori, he, he works things in, in magical ways. And when I called John, and he, he opened up with straight joy. It wasn't no, like, what, what you doing calling me? It was straight joy. And, you know, um, to have your GM um, answer the phone and be hyped for you to come back is definitely exciting. But um, I think the thing that brought me most um, joy in this game was my boys that's here right now. You know, um, brother, the brotherhood of the game. You know, you don't find that a lot, a lot outside this world. You don't find that outside the building a lot. And that's one thing I talk about. I was talking to Jim the other day. And we, I was telling him the biggest thing about Tennessee Titans was talk to other players other, everywhere else, and you don't hear them talk about a family. You don't hear them talking about a brotherhood. And from day one, KB can be attested as when he came in. Well, day one, Derek, when I first got in, he called me before – as soon as I got drafted, hey, Case, when you get in, here go my number. Hit me up, man. I take, I take great care of you. And Derek, I like to say, man, that right there had pushed me to go do the same. And that's why I stepped in the building the way I did was because of you. You, you. Everything I did, taking care of my body, like he talked about, bad shape. The reason I switched over to being vegan, the reason I did everything I did in offseason was you, my dog. You used that guy who's a great example, role model, role model. And I wanted to be the same for KB and the rest of the guys that came in. And by Derek putting those stepping stones out there, allowed me to go do that. And, KB, I just want to say, man, you've been a great leader so far. Keep leading these boys. Um, let's make sure we get a Super Bowl here now. And I just want to say thank you all again. Media for always being love, showing love, always being here for me, always, you know, writing something nice, never never having really nothing, nothing negative to say about me. And so thank you, Lord, that you blessed me not to have that come up. But, uh, but appreciate you all. And I just want to say thank you all again for coming out today, showing me the love, and, you know, welcoming me back home to being a Titan. Appreciate it. Y'all know how I get with those sweats in front of this camera. Jarrell, you always talked about wanting to spend your whole career with one team. How, how do you view the last year then? Do you, do you sort of write the year in Denver off? Or, or would, 
Okay, right. office there, you know, and uh, something I talked about um, a lot um, with my wife and with, with my agent is the, I didn't want to go up to Denver. I can, I can honestly admit that I did not want to go out there. When John called me and told me that he was going to trade me, I honestly begged him. I was like, don't do it. I don't want to go nowhere else. I want to be a Titan forever. That's just what I wanted to do. And, when you know, you don't control that, that situation or whatnot. But at the end of the day, man, uh, I did what I said I wanted to do, and I wanted to play for the Titans. And that was a goal of mine. And, you know, three games there, do I scratch it? Not really. But it, to me, like you said, I didn't really go get, get to go out there and showcase my talents the way I wanted to, show them what I can do. But it's definitely a blessing to be back here. You've had some bad feelings about the trade. Obviously, you talked about patching it up with, with John. What was that year like, kind of coming to terms with all of that and ending up full circle back here after you said the things that you did? The crazy thing about it is uh, after I made the statement or whatnot, it literally was like two, three days. Me and my wife, we sat there, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm – I'm upset, I'm, I'm mad or whatever, but I always talked to her before the thing even went down. I know it's a business. Crazy part, I, as soon as the decision was over, I called it out. I told her, I said, bro, I'm out of here this year. I already know how it goes. This is part of the business. It's a you know, new guy coming to town who, who's dominant. Um, injuries creep into the game. I knew how, how that all goes and um, kind of called it out. And, you know, it's a blessing that after talking to John, you know, we, we, we talked about it, and he made clear to me, you know, at the end of the day, you could be on the streets these days, you know. You could be sitting around waiting for a job. But he gave me the opportunity to go get traded somewhere else to continue to play and showcase my talents, and I only can be thankful and grateful for that. You know, Long Beach, Southern California, went to USC. Just prior to coming to Tennessee, what were your thoughts about, you know, just coming to, to Nashville, and then once you got here, how did your, you know, view of, uh, Nashville, Tennessee kind of evolved as you uh, made this your home. Shoot, first off, I didn't even know nothing about Nashville or Tennessee when I first got drafted. I'm like, shoot, where, where, what part of this country I'm even going? So I had to literally go Google it up and, and search. And when I, when I looked at it, I was like, okay, we're going to rock with some country music. We're going we're gonna to get it going. But as soon as I got up here, man, it was, it was just like love. Everybody that you run across is super nice. Everybody that you run across are just cool peoples. And so that, that kind of, like, was a little different for me being back home in L.A. Everybody in L.A., you stuck up. You ain't, you, ain't, you ain't nobody. Nobody care who you are. So to get out here and just, you know, have a full community, you know, based around you, everybody loving on you and stuff like that, definitely was a blast. And, you know, to come out, yeah, Tennessee at that time wasn't the hottest in the NFL or not, but to be able to build a culture with the brothers here and build a winning tradition around here is what it was all about, you know. That's the reason I stuck around. As long as I stuck around, we're going through the whole free, free agency um, periods and having options to go. But my thing was, there's no, no reason to run from this great community when you're trying to build something great. And that was my whole mindset being here. Darrell, you have spent time here when it was low and you were a big part of when things got high. What were some of the highlight moments you know, that year when you guys were able to go to that AFC championship? Um, from that year, it was more so to just the camaraderie we started to build. I think, you know, a lot of guys start hanging out together a lot more. Like before, it used to be just DB, um, DBs by themselves hanging out. The linebackers, the D-lines probably hanging in them. But that year, man, everybody started to click. Everybody started to get together. And like I talk about that familyhood, that brotherhood. Um, we started to do like trips um, on, a yearly, on a yearly basis at the end of the season. And we have dudes from all different groups coming and join us on these trips. And when you can build those type of camaraderie and you're doing certain things inside the office, it shows up outside the building and it shows up on the football field. And I think that's something that, that we've pushed around here a lot is the work that a lot of guys doing down in the community, a lot of the work that we're doing on the field, going out there extra. That was all set in stone um, early years, and these guys is running with it. Did you start the off season? 
thinking you were going to play and sort of change your mind along the way, or were you trying to convince yourself to still play through much of the offseason? I was more so convincing myself trying to, trying to still go. Um, once the season had ended up there in Denver, um, honestly, I was checked out. Like, like I said, uh, mentally, just not really there. Um, get up, go work out. Some days don't go work out. Uh, once I started doing that, I knew that my love for the game is kind of starting to dwindle. Um, I was never a day. My, my wife used to tell me, Brand, stay in bed, take a nap. Like, just re relax a little bit. I'm up at 6 o'clock in the morning. When I'm sitting, I'm sitting there in the bed at 7 o'clock, I knew something was going wrong. And uh, so I used to get up, and I tried to tell the wife, like, a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, all right, let's get, a, let's get back at it. Let's go. Let's go. And the body's just not driving the same. I go out there trying to do certain things, trying to move around, trying to run, trying to just go have free time. The body's not clicking the same, and it's not moving the same way. And there's no way I go out there and put bad film on, on tape just to go collect a couple of dollars. It's just not my style. My thing, if I can't give you everything I can give, y'all watch my game. I'm out there nonstop from play one to play, play, zero, um, play 100, 300, whatever it is, whatever you're out there for, I'm, I'm trying to get it. And so if I can't do that, then I'm, I don't need to be out there. Whether it be the, the finger wag after a sack or a little celebration, I mean, you brought the energy. What's your message to the fans that I know just absolutely loved you and still do? Um, big sense to the fans is just thank you for your um, thank you for being there, appreciating my game. You know, a lot of people out there are haters. They don't understand how I play. They don't understand the things that I do on that field. But those guys who who actually tune in week to week and really see the stuff that I that I do and I put out on that film, I just want to say thank y'all for really you know cherishing it, um, giving me the Pro Bowls that I got. Because without them, you know, and without the media and all the people voting for me, I wouldn't have been there. I wouldn't be Jarrell Casey, five-time Pro Bowler, um, ten years in this league. So. You know, say thank you to all y'all for just really rooting and been, been in the stands every week. And, you know, when those sacks do come out, they scream and going nuts. And, you know, me putting people in body bags, that's just always a joy. So, definitely. All the work that you did, that you and your family did in the community, was there a specific instance or, or circumstance that, like, you experienced that you and you guys realized, okay, we have to get back. This is something that we need to do. This is important to us. Um, well, the biggest thing that not I won't say necessarily something happened where we had to do this. Um, it was always just a, a passion of, of both of ours. One, um, when my brother being incarcerated, it was always something that, you know, I wanted to make a difference of trying to keep people from going back and getting into the system and things like that. And then for my wife, the, the career that she worked and the, the career that she has um, been an attorney, it was just always something in our mind that we wanted to help as much as possible. And like I said, it was always installed in me from day one. I used to tell all my friends from back home, if I made it to lead, that was going to just be the scratch of the surface. I mean, my thing is to see how much I can affect the people around me. And as long as I can make change in other people's lives, whatever I do on the football field is, is icing on the cake. And so, you know, my first couple of years, I used to always just go out there in the community and tag along with people that's doing the community work. And I'm like, dang, this is, this is fun. Like, why not go and do it yourself? You know what I'm saying? Like, why not go and get involved fully yourself? And my wife, she got here, and she was like, stop wishing. Let's get it done. And that's how we got out there and started getting it rocking. You played football your whole life. What were your emotions? What's the overriding emotions? Are you probably happy? You know, some sadness, maybe proudness of what you accomplished? I'm proud. Nowhere near sad. There's not one bit of sadness in me at all. I made the decision on my own. That was the blessing of it all. I could have been hurt, and no team ever wanted me. But I was able to sit around and, you know, be able to take in a couple of offers and see what people was offering. And I was able to sit there with my wife and say, hey, we're not doing it. We're going to go home and rock out and go do something else. And to be able to make that decision on my own accord was definitely a blessing and definitely a feeling that I always wanted to have, make sure, you know, I was walking away from this game on my own accord.
Darrell, one of the favorite stories you told us when you got your first big contract, you bought your mama house. You said, I don't need anything else. Now it's your time, you have a beautiful family. What's next for you? And is the Casey Fund the vehicle for all of that? Casey Fund is, all, is, for, is driving the vehicle all the way. You know, uh, my wife, she got her things going on. My first, my first thing before I do anything, I tell my wife, I make a promise to myself, I won't go and try to dive into any business endeavors until I finish up school. So that's my number one goal. I left as a junior leaving college, and um, in order for me to go bless myself, I got to finish up college. So I'm basically putting myself on a little punishment until, you know, until I finish up school. No, no telling how long that would take. I'm not a school person, but, you know, I got a strong backbone who's going to sit there and ride with me. So she's going to make sure it get done. She want to take pictures with me in our cap and gowns. So I know she's going to make it happen. But, you know, the biggest thing is I'm blessed. I'm fortunate enough to play this game. And this organization has taken great care of me and my family that we don't have to rush to go figure out something else right now. But folks on, like I was saying, more so the mental space and really gather myself for the next year or two. And then, you know, from there, is, I'm only 31, so I got a lot of, a lot of life ahead of me. And uh, from, from the things that we have in place and the goals that we have in mind, y'all not done hearing from us, not yet. You referred to, to Jeffrey Simmons. Did you see him much last year while you were on the injured list? And what, what do you expect for him uh, with this organization? No, I didn't, really get to see, I didn't get to see him. I didn't run into him in person or anything like that. I talked to him a couple times. Um, but he's going to be a hell of a player. He's, he's one guy who, when I first came in, he, he got underneath the wing. He came out working. He came out ready to push. And to have a guy like that, like I said, once, I, once they drafted him, I seen how he was working. I, like I said, it's part of the business. You know what's to expect to come. So um, it was never, ever a hard feeling with, the, with, with Jeffrey. Um, like I said, I love the guy dearly. Um, it's, part, it's his time to go shine, man. It's his time to get the job done. Um, I left some big shoes, shoes out there for him to fill. So hope you go out there and handle it. Uh, definitely from his first, what, two years now? He's definitely been doing it, so um, definitely excited to see where he come. Now I'm a football fan, so I get to go and actually watch the games. So I get to really pay attention and dive in, and hopefully, you know, in the next year or so, that he feel like I can help him out a little bit, and we get out there and work together, and my body ain't breaking down no more. I can go out there and really teach him something. Some of the games had so many moments. I mean, what are some moments and memories that maybe stood out to you as the best? Uh, one, my best is always going to be my first sack. My first career sack against Big Ben. I will never forget that sack. Um, I feel like I hit that dude so hard, I feel like I almost broke my chest. Uh, but that, that's definitely one big moment. Uh, I, would, I probably could never forget the Jets, the Jets game when we got the big old rumble. Because I would never thought out of my life I would get in a rumble in the NFL. I thought I'd keep myself calm and collected. But that was a pretty big moment. Uh, but the biggest moment is just getting to the AFC Championship. Um, fighting this many years. and. Trying to, trying to basically win a Super Bowl. I think that was one of my biggest moments. Even though we lost, to be able to be in that big of a, a stage at this level, um, filling with that environment is, is about. And like I say all the time, playing with your brothers next to you, knowing that they out there fighting and digging and clawing and to come out that game the way we did is definitely a blessing. You guys going to be Nashvilleians, Case? Um, at the moment, not at the moment, not at the moment. Uh, I'm trying to get her back here. I'm trying to get her back here. But right now we am um, in the process of uh, – um, staying in Denver, that's what we're going to be at for the moment until we figure out what life is going to bring for us. But once we figure that out, we've got about at least two or three years in Denver, and then from there we'll figure out what life going to bring. Last one. Thanks, girl. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Thank, Thank you all very much. Wow, just a fantastic uh, – not goodbye because it sounds like, as he said, he's got a lot left to accomplish, but – 
it was great to hear from Jarrell again. He made his retirement official. Great stuff. We'll come back. You want to sound off on that? Phone lines are open. Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline, 615-737-1045. It's Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 The Zone. Bortles changing the play. Titans changing their defensive look. Pressure comes. Bortles steps up. Bortles hit. Bortles sack. Jarrell Casey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. We'll just, we'll just, we're going to call this Jarrell Casey Day on The Zone. We're just going to officially make this Jarrell Casey Day. So happy Jarrell Casey Day to all of you. Alex Apple sitting in. Alex, we're only 34 minutes into the show. You finally get to talk. Your grandmother's going to be happy to hear from you. <laughs> That's right. That's what I said during the break. The only person that cares that I haven't said anything yet would be my grandmother <laughs> listening. Uh, she's got it dialed in, you know. Hello, Nanny, if you're listening. Hey, She'll Nanny. Like that I said that. Hey, it's also football time in Tennessee, though. What a great day to fill in, though. I, I, you know, this is the time of year, and I love the Jarrell Casey distraction because it kind of keeps you from realizing, oh, man, we still got like 11 days, 12 days, whatever it is, till the Titans play. You know, you wake up today, all right, we got Vols, and then I got my fantasy draft on Sunday. It's like clicking off the days until you get what you really want is to the – uh, real action where we can stop hand-wringing over who's going to catch three passes and play eight snaps in two games as the Titans' seventh receiver. Um, but you know what I'll say about Jarrell Casey is this. You asked the question, who's the most underrated Titan with the sort of underlying sentiment that maybe it's Jarrell. On Blaine and Mickey Twitter, yeah, that's Blaine a question we just put out there. Who is the most underrated Titans player of all time? At Blaine and Mickey. Yep. And... I think the biggest thing that you can say about Jarrell Casey is that two things. He was part of the turnaround from an organization that looked awful and was terribly uh, uninspiring oh. to where they are today. Yeah. But his best ability, and you hear this all the time now in athletics, best ability is availability. Jarrell Casey played every game he could almost every year. I actually bolted up because I was so curious. He missed two games his last year here, played in 14 others. That's the least he ever played. 16, 16, 15, 16, 16, 15, 16, 15, 14 as a Titan. That's unbelievable, especially for a guy in the trenches who's got 300-pound pound dudes leaning on him all the time. Yep. Uh, he burst out in his third year, 10 and a half sacks. And what I'm most happy about is Amy Adams Strunk, the Titans, John Robinson, whomever needed to do it, Mending the fences with Jarrell Casey, who was pissed to be going to Denver last year. And you kind of felt, oh, God, is that the way that's got to end for a guy that was such a great player here? Seems like the fences are mended. He goes out of Titan. You know, I don't know if they still do the sign you for one day so you can retire to the Titans. Right. If they could have, I'm sure that that's the sentiment Jarrell Casey would like for him to be remembered with. <laughs> This guy played nine years in Tennessee. Then he had the one year in Denver. This is why I ask about Jarrell. And Alex brought up a great point. There was a long time where he carried the water for the defense. And Delaney Walker was that guy on the other side. And that's all they had. They had two guys. And it's not to say that they didn't have other NFL players. Um, Tony the Stud says, oh, come on, dudes. Keith Bullock is one of the most underrated players of all time, not even just on the Titans. I agree with that nationally, but Titans fans know how great KB is. Absolutely. Titans fans never sleep on Keith Bullock. Never. Not on number 53. But I get what you're saying, Tony. Nationally, he is completely underrated. Keith Bullock is is one of the most underrated players nationally. So maybe the answer is Keith Bullock. I was thinking more locally, but, but yes. Other, Keith, other than Javon Curse, 
Wouldn't yeah. you put Keith Bullock on your Titans Mount Rushmore if you were making it up of all defensive players? Of course, McNair and uh, Eddie George are yeah, on there. Nine and twenty-seven. Then that's where I, do you I go mean, from there? You, then you maybe start to talk about Keith Bullock. Well, Javon Curse. Who else? I, I sit with Blaine, and Blaine's out today and tomorrow. So say hey to the hitman if you see him out on the street. But I hear how Blaine talks about Keith Bullock, and and Blaine said when Keith Bullock got there, he said we had we had all starters, and he said then Keith Bullock got there and started practicing, and Blaine said. We looked at D.C. and we're like, hey, man, that, uh, uh, why is this guy not uh, – what are we doing here? You know, Blaine, Blaine will kind of do his, his own way of saying things, and they were like, okay, we're going to make a package for him. And Blaine was like, they called it extra backer just because <laughs> he they knew he could come out there and do anything. So he was yeah. just an extra backer. So, if, uh, Blaine, if you're listening, that's, that's what he's always called. It was extra backer or Bullock. But they just had to start finding ways to put him on the field. But, you know, Bullock played for some really good teams and was drafted – the year after the team went to the Super Bowl and played at a high level and until he got his, I was standing in the bleachers that day right in front of where his knee popped. And I thought, oh no, because it was a contract year and he was still playing at a really high level when he got hurt. But Jerome Casey could have gone to a couple other Pro Bowls, but didn't want to go as an alternate. So he went to five in nine years. And for everybody who is a freak guy or gal, which all of you are, everybody loves Javon Curse. If you don't, if somebody didn't tell you anything else about anything else about Jarrell Casey, but they said this, okay, the number one Titans, not Oilers, the number one Titans sack guy of all time is Javon Curse. He has fifty-two sacks. Jarrell Casey has fifty-one. Fifty-one. I was just looking at it. He's one yeah. sack behind the man we called the freak. The one thing that the freak didn't have is longevity with the Titans. He went to Philadelphia. Now, that, that was in a different time of the salary cap. The Titans had to purge the entire defense. I mean, Floyd oh, Lord, Reese fell on the it. sword. Big one on that, the late Floyd Reese. I mean, you talk about some good drafting. You went Javon Curse and Keith Bullock in back-to-back drafts. Hello. But yeah, Jarrell Casey played a position to kind of a defensive tackle. He played you know, basically an end in the 3-4 um, it's a little bit less sexy than what Javon Curse was asked to do in the 4-3. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, an incredible player that had the ability to dominate a game occasionally like that. Here's my best Jarrell Casey memory. And the Titans actually put it out on Twitter today, and this is really, it might also be my last Jarrell Casey memory. In the division round against the Ravens, yeah. now two years ago, the sack of Lamar, I think that was the sack that made Lamar Jackson fumble the ball. Titans were already up, and you just knew. <laughs> we got you, pal. Uh, you know, the Titans were going to win that game. They were coming after him. Lamar Jackson was rattled. Jarrell Casey was wagging his finger as he went off the field. I mean, that that is a Titans moment for me as a fan that was one of the most joyous moments in Titans history. I mean, I can't believe this. We're about to go to the AFC Championship game, take out Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson in back-to-back games. Jarrell Casey was a huge part of that. But it shows you too how quickly it comes to the end. An end the end. Oh the gosh, NFL. five yeah. sacks that year. Yeah. The next year he's traded. I mean, he plays for like five minutes in Denver. He played in three games. He had yeah. no sacks. He had three tackles, and it's over. Brent Doherty and I were standing in the locker room after they lost to the Chiefs, and we were doing some interviews. And Jarrell would always talk to you, no matter what, good, bad, best day of his life, worst day. Jarrell would always say, "Hey, man, what what you need?" And and we were interviewing Jarrell. And I, this may be on my phone, but I'm having trouble with my the thing that records that. But one of the younger players kind of got up and was, you know, like, gosh, like, you know, kind of, you could tell he's frustrated. And Jarrell, and this haunts me because he didn't, he never got to come back. 
He looked at him. He goes, young fella, it, the grind starts today. We're going to be back. Young fella, don't be mad. Grind starts today. We'll be back. Jarrell, in the middle of an interview, he's like, oh, sorry, guys, hold on. He stopped to encourage a younger player. Like, that's who Jarrell Casey was. There's some real wisdom in that, and you wonder, too, how much did his the, did losing his leadership. Now, now, we're not in the locker room all the time. As much as we know people or can go in it some of the time, we're not there all the time. How much of a role Jarrell Casey played in mentoring and getting people aligned and that kind of thing. The Titans' defense, as soon as he left, was different. Well, Jeffrey Simmons might be a great player, but he didn't have that. Whatever well, that is that Jarrell Casey had the year before that had them playing so well, and I know you lost Gene Pease, but, I mean, he was a piece of what was missing last year and what the Titans are now hoping to recapture. Sure. Um, well, Jarrell Casey, uh, number 99, just a fantastic player for all this, and, and I'll say this again, tip of the cap to Amy Adams Drunk and to John Robinson, everybody down there, because they continue to make all the right moves off the field. Now, will they win a Super Bowl? I don't know. But they're doing so many things that are right off the field and reconciling with Javon, with 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 um, Jarrell Casey was something that needed to happen, and they just went and did it. So a beautiful ceremony today. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the first hour of the show. We will talk balls because we do know it's game day. It's all coming up. Blaine and Mickey with special guest host Alex Apple. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Uh, hey to everybody in Zone TV chat. Lonzo says, what up, fam? What up, Alex? He says, what up? What up to Lon uh, Lonzo? Always says hello on here. Um, Tony What's the up with Lonzo? Tony the Stud continues to weigh in on underrated players. Frank Wadecki says, Derek Mason, Cortland Finnegan, probably three of the four, three of the more underrated players on the Titans roster that nationally didn't get a lot of recognition either. Um Blaine and I looked this up. Derek Mason is 19th all-time in the NFL in yards. Well, when you asked who's the most underrated, that's... That's who you said. Was, oh, you said, it's, wouldn't it have to be Derek Mason? Derek Mason, there's 32 teams in the NFL, and Derek Mason leaves two of them. He leads two of them in receiving. He leads the Ravens, yes. too, in receiving? He's, oh, my gosh. There's only 32 teams. that long. And Derek Mason, yes! He played there as long as he played here. Wow. I'd have to go back and look, but I, I want to say it was about the same. He played well, forever. I'm, I'm actually truly amazed by that. It he seemed leads, like he was there only a couple of years. There, no, it was longer than that. He, there are 32 teams, and Derek Mason leads two up. of them in receiving. He's 19th all time, and I guess the, I guess that stat is considered. I don't know if you. It's not total yards because quarterbacks get credit for total yards. It's all purpose yards because wow. his kick return, then his punt return, yeah. and 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 then he's he was the he's the like the only good return guy other than Mariani for ten minutes that the Titans have ever had. Well, except for you're forgetting the other one. He just came through and waved and caused some trouble through the way. Pac-Man. Oh, pa well, Pac you remember Pac-Man's first preseason? Oh, he was that dude went back return. to catch the punts, fumbled almost every one. He'd fumble <laughs> it and then he'd return it for twenty five yards. No, you're you're right. And I'm looking up how many years he played with Baltimore from 2005 to You're about to make people sad because he was 5 to 10 with Baltimore. 5 to 10, and then, and then 4 to 97 for the Titans. Okay. Now, the first three years he combined to play, he combined to start two games the first three years. He's also rare in that respect. I mean, he came on like, we're talking about Derek Mason here. He came on. There's not many players that break out in the fourth year and then the fourth year catch 63 passes after the previous year catching eight. 
But you've amazed me. I mean, leading two teams. He leads two teams, uh, and he's ninth. There's this 101st, 102nd year. What of the NFL? Hundred. Hundred. This is the 101st year of the NFL. Last year was 100th. So seven people have rushed for 2,000 yards in NFL history. Derek Mason is one of those people walking. I'm sorry, Derek Henry is one of the people walking the earth who've done that. Seven or eight, I think it's seven. And then Derek Mason is walking the earth as one of the 20th, 20th high, highest yardage totals in the history of the NFL. And he didn't play in the passing NFL now. So guys are padding their their stats in other ways. He just played forever and was super consistent. Like you said, for three years, he was mainly a return man. So he, then yeah. he did that all after the fourth year and back. Well, I think you've convinced me then of my own answer that Derek, Derek Mason is the most underrated, underrated, most underrated, underrated Titan of all because time. Because you look at him in the context, too, of the Titans, right? They haven't been blessed with a plethora of good receivers. Somebody else said Drew Bennett. I, I think Drew Bennett is overrated. He was, he was pretty good for a couple of years there, but it was a pretty brief as far as being a, a what you would – I mean – even somebody that you would approach saying he's a dominant player. I don't think he was ever dominant. He made it to very good. And when you when you factor into that, that he was Cade McNown's backup at UCLA. He was a quarterback till his last year. And I want to say he caught. Oh, reminds was, me of somebody else. It was. Ryan Dannett. That's true. I think he caught less than 10 passes that year. And then he just comes to the Titans and people are like, who's this guy? And it's like, oh, my gosh, look at him run. Well, oh, my like, gosh, look at him jump. Oh, my gosh, who is this person? And then he, and then once we started interviewing him, I don't know if you remember this because you would have been, you would have been young, really young. Yeah. Somebody asked him like, "What's the craziest thing you've ever done?" He's like, ah, um, stay up late with my friends one night, and they uh, bet me that I couldn't run the uh, L.A. Marathon, so I did it." Uh, <laughs> like, you did what? <laughs> oh and he's gosh. like, "Yeah, I went. I just went and ran it. I ran. I ran it the next day." But he's proof of actually. This is going to turn it all back to modern Titans football. Derek Mason's the same way. Some guys come on late. That's the answer John Robinson gave him for Des Fitzpatrick, who is on pace to be the most talked about fourth round draft pick in Titans history. When they were saying, why did that work out? And he's, I don't, John Robinson's answer, I don't know that it didn't work out. Some guys take longer to adjust. Well, I, think, I mean, you'd have to hope that he's, I mean, if he can follow in those two guys' footsteps, that's proof that it at least can happen. I have no idea if Des Fitzpatrick is ever going to come on. He isn't off to a good start, and it's not trending that direction. Yeah, no. But uh, those two guys show it's possible. Well, again, we got the question out now who's the most underrated Titans player of all time? We may have just convinced ourselves in the studio. And Alex, first off the cover, goes, I think it's Derek Mason. And now that we talked about it, he's like, I still, I really think it's Derek Mason. Uh, TG says on Twitter, Michael Roos has to be on the list. A true franchise left tackle for a long time. No one talked about him. Um, my father's son on Twitter says, Drew Bennett. Mark says Samari Roll. Cousin Danny in the borough says, I always thought Josh Evans got a bad rap. God bless his soul. He passed away earlier this year. Uh, but he said the most underrated is probably Keith Bullock. I like the guy. The name that I like the most off of that is Michael Roos. You really didn't know how good you had it when you had Michael Roos and big country David Stewart anchoring the offensive line for six, seven, eight years, years. there. Yep. I mean, two contracts each at least. Um you know, and now you've got the Titans. That's just hard to find. I mean, you appreciate some of these guys so much more in hindsight. Look at the Titans' right tackle right now. I mean, Jack Conklin was flawed, but he held down that spot pretty well for the years that he was here. Now you've got three guys. I mean, I think they're going to be okay there. Kendall Lamb or Sombrello or 
Uh, and maybe the guy they take in the second round will get in the mix over Dylan there Raiden. at some point. Maybe. Dylan Radens. Uh, but you appreciate him more as time goes on. All right, lots more college football talk, Titans talk as well. But we do realize this is Vols game balls, day. We got, we got Coach Matthews coming in. We'll hit all that next. Uh, 3HL for a lot, by the way, says Cortland Finnegan comes to mind as most underrated Titan. Keep those coming, too. On Twitter at Blaine and Mickey, or call us on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline 615 737 1045. Hour number two of Blaine and Mickey coming up next.